Section 67 of Men and Wife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shi Pingling. Men and Wife by Wilkie Collins. Sixteenth Scene. Salt Patch. Chapter the Fifty Seventh. The End. At a few minutes before six o'clock that evening, Lord Holchester's carriage brought Geoffrey and Anne back to the cottage. Geoffrey prevented the servant from ringing at the gate. He had taken the key with him when he left home earlier in the day. Having admitted Anne, and having closed the gate again, he went on before her to the kitchen window and called to Hester Dethridge take some cold water into the drawing-room and fill the vase on the chimney-piece he said the sooner you put those flowers into water he added turning to his wife the longer they will last he pointed as he spoke to a nosegay in anne's hand which julius had gathered for her from the conservatory at holchester house leaving her to arrange the flowers in the vase he went upstairs after waiting for a moment, he was joined by Hester Dethridge. Done? he asked in a whisper. Hester made the affirmative sign. Geoffrey took off his boots and led the way into the spare room. They noiselessly moved the bed back to its place against the partition wall and left the room again. When Anne entered it some minutes afterward, not the slightest change of any kind was visible since she had last seen it in the middle of the day she moved her bonnet and mantle and sat down to rest the whole course of events since the previous night had tended one way and had exerted the same delusive influence over her mind it was impossible for her any longer to resist the conviction that she had distrusted appearances without the slightest reason and that she had permitted purely visionary suspicions to fill her with purely causeless alarm in the firm belief that she was in danger she had watched through the night and nothing had happened in the confident anticipation that geoffrey had promised what he was resolved not to perform she had waited to see what excuse he would find for keeping her at the cottage and when the time came for the visit she found him ready to fulfil the engagement which he had made at holchester house not the slightest interference had been attempted with her perfect liberty of action and speech resolved to inform sir patrick that she had changed her room she had described the alarm of fire and the events which had succeeded it in the fullest detail and had not been once checked by geoffrey from beginning to end she had spoken in confidence to blanche and had never been interrupted walking round the conservatory she had dropped behind the others with perfect impunity to say a grateful word to sir patrick and to ask if the interpretation that he placed on geoffrey's conduct was really the interpretation which had been hinted at by blanche they had talked together for ten minutes or more sir patrick had assured her 
that blanche had correctly represented his opinion he had declared his conviction that the rash way was in her case the right way and that she would do well with his assistance to take the initiative in the matter of the separation on herself as long as he can keep you under the same roof with him sir patrick had said so long he will speculate on our anxiety to release you from the oppression of living with him and so long he will hold out with his brother in the character of a penitent husband for higher terms put the signal in the window and try the experiment to-night once find your way to the garden door and i answer for keeping you safely out of his reach until he has submitted to the separation and has signed the deed in those words he had urged anne to prompt action he had received in return her promise to be guided by his advice she had gone back to the drawing-room and geoffrey had made no remark on her absence she had returned to fulham alone with him in his brother's carriage and he had asked no questions what was it natural with her means of judging to infer from all this could she see into sir patrick's mind and detect that he was deliberately concealing his own conviction in the fear that he might paralyze her energies if he acknowledged the alarm for her that he really felt no she could only accept the false appearances that surrounded her in the disguise of truth she could only adopt in good faith sir patrick's assumed point of view and believe on the evidence of her own observation that sir patrick was right toward dusk anne began to feel the exhaustion which was the necessary result of a night passed without sleep she rang her bell and asked for some tea hester dethridge answered the bell instead of making the usual sign she stood considering and then wrote on her slate these were the words i have all the work to do now the girl has gone if you would have your tea in the drawing-room you would save me another journey upstairs and at once engaged to comply with the request are you ill she asked noticing faint as the light now was something strangely altered in hester's manner without looking up hester shook her head has anything happened to vex you the negative sign was repeated have i offended you she suddenly advanced a step suddenly looked at anne checked herself with a dull moan like a moan of pain and hurried out of the room concluding that she had inadvertently said or done something to offend hester dethridge and determined to return to the subject at the first favourable opportunity in the meantime she descended to the ground floor the dining-room door standing wide open showed her geoffrey sitting at the table writing a letter with a fatal brandy bottle at his side after what mr speedwell had told her it was her duty to interfere she performed her duty without an instant's hesitation pardon me for interrupting you she said i think you have forgotten what mr speedwell told you about that 
she pointed to the bottle geoffrey looked at it looked down again at his letter and impatiently shook his head she made a second attempt at remonstrance again without effect he only said all right in lower tones than were customary with him and continued his occupation it was useless to court a third repulse and went into the drawing-room the letter on which he was engaged was an answer to mrs glenarm who had written to tell him that she was leaving town he had reached his two concluding sentences when anne spoke to him they ran as follows i may have news to bring you before long which you don't look for stay where you are through to-morrow and wait to hear from me after sealing the envelope he emptied his glass of brandy and water and waited looking through the open door when hester dethridge crossed the passage with the tea-tray and entered the drawing-room he gave the sign which had been agreed on he rang his bell hester came out again closing the drawing-room door behind her is she safe at her tea he asked removing his heavy boots and putting on the slippers which were placed ready for him hester bowed her head he pointed up the stairs you go first he whispered no nonsense and no noise she ascended the stairs he followed slowly although he had only drunk one glass of brandy and water his step was uncertain already with one hand on the wall and one hand on the banister he made his way to the top stopped and listened for a moment then joined hester in his own room and softly locked the door well he said she was standing motionless in the middle of the room not like a living woman like a machine waiting to be set in movement finding it useless to speak to her he touched her with a strange sensation of shrinking in him as he did it and pointed to the partition wall the touch roused her with slow step and vacant face moving as if she was walking in her sleep she led the way to the papered wall knelt down at the skirting board and taking out two small sharp nails lifted up a long strip of the paper which had been detached from the plaster beneath mounting on a chair she turned back the strip and pinned it up out of the way using the two nails which she had kept ready in her hand by the last dim rays of twilight geoffrey looked at the wall a hollow space met his view at a distance of some three feet from the floor the laths had been sawn away and the plaster had been ripped out piecemeal so as to leave a cavity sufficient in height and width to allow free power of working in any direction to a man's arms the cavity completely pierced the substance of the wall nothing but the paper on the other side prevented eyes or hand from penetrating into the next room hester dethridge got down from the chair and made signs for a light geoffrey took a match from the box the same strange uncertainty which had already possessed his feet appeared now to possess his hands 
he struck the match too heavily against the sandpaper and broke it he tried another and struck it too lightly to kindle the flame hester took the box out of his hands having lit the candle she held it low and pointed to the skirting board two little hooks were fixed into the floor near the part of the wall from which the paper had been removed two lengths of fine and strong string were twisted once or twice round the hooks the loose ends of the string extending to some length beyond the twisted parts were neatly coiled away against the skirting board the other ends drawn tight disappeared in two small holes drilled through the wall at a height of a foot from the floor after first untwisting the strings from the hooks hester rose and held the candle so as to light the cavity in the wall two more pieces of the fine string were seen here resting loose upon the uneven surface which marked the lower boundary of the hollowed space lifting these higher strings hester lifted the loosened paper in the next room the lower strings which had previously held the strip firm and flat against the sound portion of the wall working in their holes and allowing the paper to move up freely as it rose higher and higher geoffrey saw thin strips of cotton wool lightly attached at intervals to the back of the paper so as effectually to prevent it from making a grating sound against the wall up and up it came slowly till it could be pulled through the hollow space and pinned up out of the way as the strip previously lifted had been pinned before it hester drew back and made way for geoffrey to look through there was anne's room visible through the wall he softly parted the light curtains that hang over the bed there was the pillow on which her head would rest at night within reach of his hands the deadly dexterity of it struck him cold his nerves gave way he drew back with a start of guilty fear and looked round the room a pocket flask of brandy lay on the table at his bedside he snatched it up and emptied it at a draught and felt like himself again he beckoned to hester to approach him before we go any further he said there's one thing i want to know how is it all to be put right again suppose this room is examined those strings will show hester opened a cupboard and produced a jar she took out the cork there was a mixture inside which looked like glue partly by signs and partly by help of the slate she showed how the mixture could be applied to the back of the loosened strip of paper in the next room how the paper could be glued to the sound lower part of the wall by tightening the strings how the strings having served that purpose could be safely removed how the same process could be followed in geoffrey's room after the hollowed place had been filled up again with the materials waiting in the scullery or even without filling up the hollowed place if the time failed for doing it in either case 
the refastened paper would hide everything and the wall would tell no tales geoffrey was satisfied he pointed next to the towels in his room take one of them he said and show me how you did it with your own hands as he said the words anne's voice reached his ear from below calling for mrs dethridge it was impossible to say what might happen next in another minute she might go up to her room and discover everything geoffrey pointed to the wall put it right again he said instantly it was soon done all that was necessary was to let the two strips of paper drop back into their places to fasten the strip to the wall in anne's room by tightening the two lower strings and then to replace the nails which held the loose strip on geoffrey's side in a minute the wall had resumed its customary aspect they stole out and looked over the stairs into the passage below after calling uselessly for the second time anne appeared crossed over to the kitchen and returning again with the kettle in her hand closed the drawing-room door hester dethridge waited impenetrably to receive her next directions there were no further directions to give the hideous dramatic representation of the woman's crime for which geoffrey had asked was in no respect necessary the means were all prepared and the manner of using them was self-evident nothing but the opportunity and the resolution to profit by it were wanting to lead the way to the end geoffrey signed to hester to go downstairs get back into the kitchen he said before she comes out again i shall keep in the garden when she goes up into her room for the night show yourself at the back door and i shall know hester set her foot on the first stair stopped turned round and looked slowly along the two walls of the passage from end to end shuddered shook her head and went slowly on down the stairs what were you looking for he whispered after her she neither answered nor looked back she went her way into the kitchen he waited a minute and then followed her on his way out to the garden he went into the dining-room the moon had risen and the window shutters were not closed it was easy to find the brandy and the jug of water on the table he mixed the two and emptied the tumbler at a draught my head's queer he whispered to himself he passed his handkerchief over his face how infernally hot it is to-night he made for the door it was open and plainly visible and yet he failed to find his way to it twice he found himself trying to walk through the wall on either side the third time he got out and reached the garden a strange sensation possessed him as he walked round and round he had not drunk enough or nearly enough to intoxicate him his mind in a dull way felt the same as usual but his body was like the body of a drunken man the night advanced the clock of putney church struck ten anne appeared again from the drawing-room with a bedroom candle in her hand put out the lights 
she said to hester at the kitchen door i'm going upstairs she entered her room the insupportable sense of weariness after the sleepless night that she had passed weighed more heavily on her than ever she locked her door but forbore on this occasion to fasten the bolts the dread of danger was no longer present to her mind and there was this positive objection to losing the bolts that the unfastening of them would increase the difficulty of leaving the room noiselessly later in the night she loosened her dress and lifted her hair from her temples and paced to and fro in the room wearily thinking geoffrey's habits were irregular hester seldom went to bed early two hours at least more probably three must pass before it would be safe to communicate with sir patrick by means of the signal in the window her strength was fast failing her if she persisted for the next three hours in denying herself the repose which she sorely needed the chances were that her nerves might fail her through sheer exhaustion when the time came for facing the risk and making the effort to escape sleep was falling on her even now and sleep she must have she had no fear of failing to wake at the needful time falling asleep with a special necessity for rising at a given hour present to her mind and like most other sensitively organized people could trust herself to wake at that given hour instinctively she put her lighted candle in a safe position and lay down on the bed in less than five minutes she was in a deep sleep the church clock struck the quarter to eleven hester dethridge showed herself at the back garden door geoffrey crossed the lawn and joined her the light of the lamp in the passage fell on his face she started back from the sight of it what's wrong he asked she shook her head and pointed through the dining-room door to the brandy bottle on the table i am as sober as you are you fool he said whatever else it is it's not that hester looked at him again he was right however unsteady his gait might be his speech was not the speech his eyes were not the eyes of a drunken man is she in her room for the night hester made the affirmative sign geoffrey ascended the stairs swaying from side to side he stopped at the top and beckoned to hester to join him he went on into his room and signing to her to follow him closed the door he looked at the partition wall without approaching it hester waited behind him is she asleep he asked hester went to the wall listened at it and made the affirmative reply he sat down my head's queer he said give me a drink of water he drank part of the water and poured the rest over his head hester turned toward the door to leave him he instantly stopped her i can't unwind the strings i can't lift up the paper do it 
she sternly made the sign of refusal she resolutely opened the door to leave him do you want your confession back he asked she closed the door stolidly submissive in an instant and crossed to the partition wall she lifted the loose strips of paper on either side of the wall pointed through the hollowed place and drew back again to the other end of the room he rose and walked unsteadily from the chair to the foot of his bed holding by the woodwork of the bed he waited a little while he waited he became conscious of a change in the strange sensation that possessed him a feeling as of a breath of cold air passed over the right side of his head he became steady again he could calculate his distances he could put his hands through the hollowed place and draw aside the light curtains hanging from the hook in the ceiling over the head of her bed he could look at his sleeping wife she was dimly visible by the light of the candle placed at the other end of her room the worn and weary look had disappeared from her face all that had been purest and sweetest in it in the bygone time seemed to be renewed by the deep sleep that held her gently she was young again in the dim light she was beautiful in her calm repose her head lay back on the pillow her upturned face was in a position which placed her completely at the mercy of the man under whose eyes she was sleeping the man who was looking at her with the merciless resolution in him to take her life after waiting a while he drew back she's more like a child than a woman tonight he muttered to himself under his breath he glanced across the room at hester dethridge the lighted candle which she had brought upstairs with her was burning near the place where she stood blow it out he whispered she never moved he repeated the direction there she stood deaf to him what was she doing she was looking fixedly into one of the corners of the room he turned his head again toward the hollowed place in the wall he looked at the peaceful face on the pillow once more he deliberately revived his own vindictive sense of the debt that he owed her but for you he whispered to himself i should have won the race but for you i should have been friends with my father but for you i might marry mrs glenarm he turned back again into the room while the sense of it was at its fiercest in him he looked round and round him he took up a towel considered for a moment and threw it down again a new idea struck him in two steps he was at the side of his bed he seized on one of the pillows and looked suddenly at hester it's not a drunken brute this time he said to her it's a woman who will fight for her life the pillow's the safest of the two she never answered him and never looked toward him he made once more for the place in the wall and stopped midway between it and his bed stopped and cast a backward glance over his shoulder hester dethridge was stirring at last 
with no third person in the room she was looking and moving nevertheless as if she was following a third person along the wall from the corner her lips were parted in horror her eyes opening wider and wider stared rigid and glittering at the empty wall step by step she stole nearer and nearer to joffrey still following some visionary thing which was stealing nearer and nearer too he asked himself what it meant was the terror of the deed that he was about to do more than the woman's brain could bear would she burst out screaming and wake his wife he hurried to the place in the wall to seize the chance while the chance was his he steadied his strong hold on the pillow he stooped to pass it through the opening he poised it over anne's sleeping face at the same moment he felt hester dethridge's hand laid on him from behind the touch ran through him from head to foot like a touch of ice he drew back with a start and faced her her eyes were staring straight over his shoulder at something behind him looking as they had looked in the garden at windygates before he could speak he felt the flash of her eyes in his eyes for the third time she had seen the apparition behind him the homicidal frenzy possessed her she flew at his throat like a wild beast the feeble old woman attacked the athlete he dropped the pillow and lifted his terrible right arm to brush her from him as he might have brushed an insect from him even as he raised the arm a frightful distortion seized on his face as if with an invisible hand it dragged down the brow and the eyelid on the right it dragged down the mouth on the same side his arm fell helpless his whole body on the side under the arm gave way he dropped on the floor like a man shot dead hester dethridge pounced on his prostrate body knelt on his broad breast and fastened her ten fingers on his throat the shock of the fall woke anne on the instant she started up looked round and saw a gap in the wall at the head of her bed and a candlelight glimmering in the next room panic-stricken doubting for the moment if she were in her right mind she drew back waiting listening looking she saw nothing but the glimmering light in the room she heard nothing but a hoarse gasping as of some person laboring for breath the sound ceased there was an interval of silence then the head of hester dethridge rose slowly into sight through the gap in the wall rose with the glittering light of madness in the eyes and looked at her she flew to the open window and screamed for help sir patrick's voice answered her from the road in front of the cottage wait for me for god's sake she cried she fled from the room and rushed down the stairs in another moment she had opened the door and was out in the front garden as she ran to the gate she heard the voice of a strange man on the other side of it 
sir patrick called to her encouragingly the policeman is with us he said he patrols the garden at night he has a key as he spoke the gate was opened from the outside she saw sir patrick arnold and the policeman she staggered toward them as they came in she was just able to say upstairs before her senses failed her sir patrick saved her from falling he placed her on the bench in the garden and waited by her while arnold and the policeman hurried into the cottage where first asked arnold the room the lady called from said the policeman they mounted the stairs and entered anne's room the gap in the wall was instantly observed by both of them they looked through it geoffrey delamayn's dead body lay on the floor hester dethridge was kneeling at his head praying end of section sixty seven recording by shi ping ling